You are listening to the Noisy Narratives podcast, a podcast produced by the Women of First Ministries at Frisco First Baptist Church in Frisco, Texas. Here at Noisy Narratives, we like to cut through the noise of our stories and get to the heart of what really matters. We hope you are blessed by what we share. Thank you so much for listening. Isn't it amazing? everyone. Welcome to Noisy Narratives. Um, this is Debbie and I'm here with Christy. Hey, Christy. Hello. <laughs> Adjusting my microphone. <laughs> um, so another week's gone by. Another week of lots of decisions. Yes, but the, In the, the weather changed. The weather is so nice. Fabulous. It is. We have our usually about four weeks in Texas of some nice fall 70s mm-hmm. and 80s before it goes super mm-hmm. cold and then some days mm-hmm. we'll get like a 90 in the middle of the summer mm-hmm. and then it'll go super cold. Oh, no. Hold on <laughs> so to we this. get this back and forth up and down roller coaster of weather in the winter in Texas. But we are so grateful for our few weeks mm-hmm. of nice, even oh, fall. So nice. It's so nice. We love it. Do everything outside. Yeah. Speaking of fall, we're going to do a fall retreat this year um, called the Sela Retreat. It's a 24 hour retreat. Which is really funny because I didn't want to commit to a whole weekend because I didn't know how many ladies would take off for a whole weekend. So we're trying a 24-hour retreat to see, testing the waters to see if people will show up or come. Um, we have 30 spots for it, but Selah means pause in Hebrew. You see it a lot of times in the Psalms, really. You see it all in the Psalms and a couple times in Habakkuk. Because um, you're calling it the Selah Retreat. The Selah Retreat, yeah. It's used 74 times. In the New Testament, which I think is, or the Old Testament, which is interesting um, times-wise, but it's called silence, rest, to be silent. But I liked, um, I found somebody talking about how it's not totally silent. So people were getting nervous, like, we're not going to be able to talk. We can't talk. Oh, about the retreat? Mm-hmm. You and I was like, oh, yes, no. you can still talk. And in context, it's a, you take a break from singing or using your voice, but the song, the music is still played in the background. So it's a beautiful illustration of like a com- like listening or composing a song and knowing the music's still there. You take a break from singing or participating in the music. Let the music play so you still hear sound. Mm. And like that, like life is still going to go on. You're still going to do things. We're not taking a quiet pause. You still can hear the music and the rhythms of life. But we're going to just say, hey, we're going to just limit our time of engaging with the craziness of the world. So unplugging. You know, and 20, you can do it 24 hours. Yeah. And I saw a definition too, that was saying it's indicates like a pause in the text, even Mm. in the Hebrew, like, so as you're reading, then you take a pause Mm -hmm. to kind of meditate on what you're reading before you continue on. Same thing when you sing, right? Yes. How often do you sing a song and you go, uh yeah, I don't want to sing the next course. I I need to think and listen and sit in what I just sang. Process what I just sang. Which that's always so beautiful when you, when a word like hits you or what's that song? I'm going to sing of the goodness. Oh, I'm going to sing of the goodness of God. Mm -hmm. And I was standing next to my sister and I was like, oh yeah, girl, we're going to sing. Oh, we're going to sing of the goodness of God. Because that's how I felt in that movie. How often do you emphasize, oh, I'm going to sing of the goodness of God Mm -hmm. versus you. We always dwell on the goodness of God. Like that was like an emphasis on the word of like, oh yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm going to sing of the goodness of God. Well, and we have a hard time. I love the idea of the pause in the sense of. We have a hard time staying present anywhere we are oh. right now, culturally. Like, right? Totally. Like, we're always looking 
forward to the next thing. We're always looking at social media. We're always looking at the goals we have ahead of us, at all these things we want to do. You just want to get out of the conversation how, you're currently in, not even looking at yeah, goals. Yeah, that too. Like how often do we just not want to be present in the spot we're at mm-hmm. where God is wanting us to be with the person who he's put in front of us in that moment? Or Literally. Literally. Yeah. All the time. And so I, do, I love the idea of it that mm-hmm. you're trying to kind of like just put in front of them of saying, hey, consider this. Mm-hmm. Like consider yeah. taking a moment. Just take a moment. Just take we a do moment. have beds. I've been getting emails. We're not in tents. Christy doesn't do tents. I will never do anything that has You're not tents. on a cot. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. We're going to be, it's nice. It's got beds. You don't have to bring any bedding unless you want to, you know, I mean, yeah. if you want to bring a tent, you could put it outside the cabin, I guess, if you're a tent person. But I love the idea that you're out in a cabin. Like I it can't go because cool. we have a big kids ministry event that night, mm-hmm. but I love the idea that y'all are in a cabin. Like, oh, it's I love, super cool too. It yeah, looks out looks on the so water. Neat. Kelly and I walked it and I was like, can we just stay here the rest of the afternoon? Yeah. Like, can we just pull out laptops and just work right here? It's beautiful. And it's an easy drive. It legit Preston Road ends Mm -hmm. into this camp. Like legit. You just take Preston Road North and it just ends. (laughs) I was like, Preston Road legit just fell into this place. Yeah. And how'd you hear about it? How'd you hear about Kelly Gilbert did a good job. Nope. She found it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. She's really good with that kind of stuff. So she researched it and found it. And then we went out there and met with them. And nice. And they accommodate food allergies and So they'll cook things. for you? Yeah. Oh, ladies, this sounds amazing. I know. And then one this friend was so like, good. we might leave and go get our, go to a spa. Oh, no, they might go up on a Friday night. Yeah. And stay at Tanglewood. Tanglewood Resort's up there. It's up there. Because we've done a women's retreat mm-hmm. up there before yeah. years ago. Yeah. They mm-hmm. like the spa. So they might go up there on a Friday and do that. Yeah. Which is fine. But we're going to be talking about and looking at like the different songs that you see the women sing in the Bible. Rebecca's song. Um, Miriam's song, which is like one line, Mary's song when she found out she was pregnant, just kind of dissecting those and spending time in God's word, looking at those songs, which will be so good. I think that sounds amazing. I know. And then guess what happens on Sunday? What happens on Sunday? You and I get to get That's on right. stage and talk and That's answer right. questions. That's right. About how are women tempted? Yeah. That's right. <laughs> so yeah. if you don't even go to our church, you can go to the sale event. You don't yeah. have to go to our church at all. If you just want to come and unplug, we mm-hmm. you're welcome. It's on the website. You can sign up. And then if you want to come here, Debbie and I that's right. speak about the temptations a that women round table, with. A round table on Sunday morning with Pastor Chuck. It's going to be you Where, and me and Pastor Chuck on stage, right? Yeah. Where do you think the conversation's going to go? You know what? I have zero idea. He has We don't really know yet. He's but you haven't thought like temptations. What are... Like he was super bold talking about like porn and I was reading some of that research as well. And it's interesting um, how there's kind of competing studies about who's suffering from loneliness the most women or men. Mm. And it's really fascinating to watch kind of the thought process. And I don't know that it's a one's more than the other at this point. Mm. I think there's, they're both just some functional issues right now culturally that are pushing, um, loneliness and significant kind of um, addictions that come along Mm -hmm. with isolation. And I think pornography is Mm -hmm. one of those. And whether it's gaming, whether it's pornography, whether it's, um, you know, all these other Mm -hmm. issues, alcohol, all those things that come along. Cause I feel like women struggle more with alcohol now than they have before, which is it's kind of the afternoon happy hour wine Mm -hmm. thing that you can 
I just County's found out home. wine sales are down in epic proportions. A friend of ours, a distributor, and he was like, y'all need to be drinking more wine. Our wine sales are way down. And I, I was like, finally word's gotten out how yeah. bad alcohol is for you and how, it, how many yeah, issues it causes. But I think COVID kind, peaked it. Yeah. 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 That's and true. now they're just, people are going, going I don't need that in as much anymore. I don't have, I have, I've got too much going on. I can't drink all day long like they used to be able well, to and you're not as many are working from home anymore right and they would start going back in. little yeah you yeah. would start drinking at three o'clock yes. in the afternoon while you're finishing up your work three day. o'clock i had people had at mimosas noon? in the morning oh yeah mimosas yeah, yeah that's true they'd have their conference kind of their mimosas yeah but if you do you touched on loneliness i do think the sailor retreat too if you do struggle with loneliness it's a great place to come and just get connected with other women Mm. spend some time with other women, spend some time in community Yeah. without all the things. Like I mm. even struggle like sitting in my own house, well, rental house, but house and being like, I can't even sit here and relax because mm. there's too much to do or I need to do stuff. So right. it's a great way that if you just want community and be connected, it's also, it has that venue too. Well, and um, there's this kind of interesting, like what, and we were talking about that. I have a, in our Bible study group last night, cause we've gotten to the, and a lot of them are probably listening right now. <laughs> we've gotten to the, okay, mind blowing. These are questions. I'm not sure there's clear answer. Like mm-hmm. I need to work through some of these things kind of moment in our study, um, in the process of, um, the developing and discerning heart study, but, um, kind of the disconnect just that we have because of, like what Chuck was saying, just how the gradual waves that will push you out. he was talking about how his Mm -hmm. dad kind of fell asleep and ended up out in the middle of the ocean Mm -hmm. and it was hard to get him back. And it was this gradual push from these little waves over time Mm -hmm. while he, that he landed out there. I think there's that. And all of a sudden you wake up and you're so lonely and you don't know Mm -hmm. why. And all of a sudden you wake up and you're like, I feel like I don't have purpose. Mm -hmm. I feel like I've lost significance. Mm -hmm. Like, I, this doesn't feel great. I don't know what to do with this. Like, how did this happen? And there was lots of little things along the way, Mm -hmm. um, that it's really easy to fall into and not recognize until all of a sudden you're adrift by yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, and you can be in a room full of people and feel lonely and feel like nobody knows you. Easy. Um, cause we do want to be known. We Mm -hmm. want people to know us. Um, is that a female thing or a a human thing. I think it's a human thing. I just think it looks different mm-hmm. from different people. Mm-hmm. I just think that being known piece looks different. We are created to be known. We are. Yeah, for we are. sure. And then we're the one that knows image. us the best, right? Who knows everything about us and loves us anyway, is the one that we're the most disengaged from, which is our Lord and mm-hmm. creator. If we're not careful over time, the one we have a harder time, that thirst that drives us, um, for that connection to the Lord, um, it's just so broken. Mm-hmm. And so I do, I, I love the idea of a retreat where you can go cause it's not, it's about connecting the Lord, taking a pause. It's also about being around people. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there are moments where that's retreats are where I've had some of the best conversations mm-hmm. ever because that's what, but some people will shy away from that. I've Some always shied away like from women's retreats. Yeah. I don't think I've ever even been on one. My mom used to go all the time. Okay. Growing up, I loved the retreats we went on as youth groups, mm. but women's retreats seemed so boring to me. Yeah. So that's yeah. been on, that's been part of the issue too. I think of like, well, women's retreat, what are you gonna do? Sit around and knit? 
<laughs> I think even Cindy was like, I might go if there was like skeet shooting yeah. or axe throwing. And I was like, yeah, we need to do one like that for yeah. your type of people. Exactly. And then this is one that is just a quiet, a reset button for some people yeah. just to, to, to check out, mm-hmm. just to regroup. You know, everybody has their reasons. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. registration's still open. Come join us. Yeah, that's great. I think that's awesome. I think people should. That's a wonderful thing. Wonderful, wonderful thing to get away and to um, be in front of the Lord and people. I was going and his to, nature. And his nature. Um, okay, yeah, I found a... Um, I was the Psalm. Like, the yeah, the first Psalm ever. I was like, the first Psalm. <laughs> the first Psalm. Um, Psalm one, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of the sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but finds his delight in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither at all in, in all that it does. He prospers. Um, the wicked are not so, but are like chafe with the wind that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Um, and the only reason I thought of that was because the meditating day and night, like I would, takes mm-hmm. intention and time. And we don't realize how much that matters if we want trees that are planted firmly, mm-hmm. if we don't want to be drifting away or out to sea. And so, um, you know, it is very much kind of an Old Testament feel to it where it's meditating on the law. But I think for us, it's also that medit- we have the benefit of New Testament. We have mm-hmm. the benefit of a new covenant that we can meditate on as well that is just as important. And um, so taking that pause day and night. Um, I don't know. I just found that I, I don't know why I when I was looking through all those, that one stood out to me, but... I, I like it to too because a treat planted beside flowing streams that bears its fruit in its season. So if you right. feel like you're not bearing any fruit, you know, how deep are your roots? Where are they? Are they planted? They could be planted, but some, a wind could come by and, you know, blow it over. But how, how or is your tree dormant? Yeah. Has your tree and gone to where it's not bearing matter. fruit anymore? Yeah. I mean, um, yeah, I, it's a whole nother conversation. It is a whole nother conversation, but that's the Lord. Lord. That's the Bible. There's so many conversations that come from one passage. Well, we're studying Romans right now, and it talks a lot about bearing fruit of sin and bearing mm-hmm. fruit of not yes, sin, right? Yes. And you're just going, oh, fruit. sin has fruit. It does. And it's just like, it's such a great, Paul, it's such a great analogy of doing that, of what does the law produce? Is the law makes you want to sin more, right? What does grace produce? And talking about the fruit that comes from both of it. And I just don't think we think about what is the fruit of our sin. And I think sometimes we are confused because sometimes fruit of sin tastes good for its season. It always, it always but tastes it's good, like Debbie. Processed, always. But it's like processed sugar. Uh-huh, that's right. It's bad for you. It causes cancer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, yes, there's yeah. not, you're not eating anything good. Uh-huh. And so I think a lot of times when I, and I remember catching myself on this because when I consider, and I think a lot of it's because a lot of books you read about like the heart, the fruit and the trees, they show this shriveled up tree of sin with horrible fruit. And they show this beautiful fruit Mm -hmm. of righteousness 
with amazing fruit on the other side. And I'm like, I don't know if that's realistic about what it looks like to us. No, Satan uses the shiny fruit as deception, yes. right? And Romans talks about that, how we're deceived. We are. And he's like, he's, he is the, the king of deception. So even the fruit we produce from our mm-hmm. sin to someone else can look amazing. Totally. Or even to ourselves can look great. But we're just taking this in mm-hmm. and eating it. And it's horrible, horrible. for us. It's mm-hmm. bad for us. And it just causes all kinds of horrible things over mm-hmm. time. It's a progressive illness. <laughs> it is. It's sad. It is. But we're, is. we're all in it. We are. We all have to. We, we all are. struggle with it. And the fruit of righteousness is a beautiful thing. And I think the difference is, too, over time, you just feel peace when you're laying under that that tree. When you're, or when you're the tree that's planted with those deep roots, so many things can be going on around you. And you feel calm. Yeah, because you know, like, I like how it ends. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous. That's right. We feel him watching us. Yeah. So it's not like he's just he's doing it and we're our tree. He's yeah, feeding it. Yeah. Yep. You're just going, Oh, he's mm. doing, okay, this is him working. This is him loving me mm. and being able to realize when God is watching over you, yeah, I think is good. amazing. That's And true. it's sweet and it's tender and I could cry. So let's stop talking about it. Oh, <laughs> she's getting teary because you've been through yes. some needing watching over the last recent, very recent. Yeah, I mean, yes. well, I just think my whole life, you just yeah. think about it and just go, Oh, oh yeah, he watched over me there. He watched mm. over me there. I mean, and it's learning to even pass that down to your kids. Yeah. What you didn't do that. Well, that was God watching over you. Like, mm-hmm. let's give God the glory. Let's mm-hmm. give God the shot. That wasn't you thinking, oh, I'm going to leave. That was God watching over you. And he does it because you're walking in paths of righteousness. Mm-hmm. For his name's sake. That's right. Yeah. That's a good word to leave on. We got to <laughs> leave on there. That's good. <laughs> good and uplifting. All right, everybody. So um, we have an amazing interview. Hope you stick around for it. That's coming up next. We have an interview with Jackie Craft from Samaritan Inn that we're excited to share with all of you. So we hope you enjoy it. So here's the interview. Okay, we are here with Jackie Craft, who has agreed to come sit with us today. We always love when we can pull somebody in to mm-hmm. be our victim. No, mm-hmm. I, it's fun. It'll be a great time. Um, but anyway, um, Christy is going to introduce you. This is the first time we've met, so it's very fun to meet a new face. <laughs> love it. But Christy's going to introduce you and... Um, talk about you a bit and your role um, at Samaritan's Inn and what you do. So go for it. Yes. So I was talking to Rick Crocker, who is our pastoral care and senior adult pastor. And um, we were just talking and he was like, you need to meet Jackie. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that sounds fun. And so we share some of the same. I was talking to him about something personally, like what I would like to do in the future. And he was like, oh, you need to talk to Jackie. And then we went on to more why it would be a great um, conversation for us to have with you regarding where you're at. So you are the career development coordinator yes. at Samaritan's Inn in McKinney. Yes. Not Samaritan's at Purse, Samaritan's the Inn. Samaritan Inn. Inn. Uh, Inn. That's right. That's right. That's a good clarification. Yeah. <laughs> and so you've been there for a while. You kind of, you've jokingly said you went in as a volunteer because you used to work with Rick there. He was your boss. He hired you. Right. First he said yes to you being a volunteer and then he hired you. Exactly. And yeah. then you've been there for how long now? Just over a year. So I started at the end of May in 2022. And so I just passed my year mark mm. um, this past May. So a little but bit over a year. You were in Virginia for a while and then you came to Texas. Like you've traveled right. a lot before you landed right here. We, we're we from Virginia, mm-hmm. Tennessee area where Virginia and Tennessee touch. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in 2012, we moved here to Frisco, 
um, we had a child that was in the academy at FC Dallas, and then soccer the, academy, soccer academy, yeah. And um, then the other two were crazy about soccer too. Our son moved here before we did and stayed with the host family, but then we were visiting and just fell in love with Frisco, mm. and so we moved here in 2012. Went back east in 2019 when our kids, when we were empty nesters, pandemic happened, um, decided we wanted to come back to Texas and came back in 2021 and ended up in McKinney. And then I was an empty nester looking for an opportunity to serve my community and ended up at the Samaritan Inn wanting to volunteer and never volunteered. <laughs> never got the chance. You yeah. went in to volunteer I and did. Rick said, no, we don't want you to volunteer. Exactly. We I want to pay you. I know. And I resisted, um, went in to do my volunteer orientation. Mm. So it's required. You, you do the background, you do all the paperwork, and then you go in for an orientation. And Paula, a little volunteer was doing my orientation. We were having just a good time talking and she's like, you know, what do you do? So I was like, well, I'm a college professor. I teach online. I have a PhD in counseling. And she's like, oh. And then all of a sudden, people were just coming up to meet me. And then all of a sudden, I was being offered a job. So talk about that, though. Talk about what you also do. Because you wake up early at like 6 in the morning. Right. You do your other job. And then mm-hmm. you do this. But talk about your academic jobs, I Sure. Guess. Uh-huh. Um, so when we moved to Texas, I had worked at a community college in Virginia. So I'm a big advocate of the community college. Yes. Mm. Um, my kids went there. If it's good enough for my kids, it's good enough for yours. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but uh, so when we moved to Texas, I had applied for a few online teaching jobs. because You had my, your master's at this point? No, I had my PhD. PhD. So I got my PhD in 2010. But I did start a PhD when my kids were four, six, and eight. I have no idea why, but the <laughs> Lord <laughs> inspired me to get it done um, really before they got busy. I mean, toddler life is easy yes, compared to yeah. teen life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Doesn't agree. feel that way when you're a toddler mom, yeah. but it's coming. That's true. <laughs> yeah, that's true. What'd you get your PhD in? It's in professional counseling, family studies, and, and uh, education. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did that. It was called a blended studies program through Liberty University, and we lived in Virginia. So I drove three hours oh, to, wow. to Liberty and stayed there for intensives. That's commitment. Yeah, yeah, it was. It's a great campus, though. It is. So it was beautiful. Pretty. And I was there the times when I would go there, and there'd be like eight new buildings. And then the mm. next two months later when I go, there's a new building. They were in the process of just growth when I was there, and it was a lot of fun to be a part of. But when we moved here, I needed to find something where I could be home more and applied with Liberty and applied with Purdue University and ended up teaching for both of them in their counseling and human services programs. And so that's what I did for 10 years. And, um, and I enjoyed it. And I did life coaching. And that's what I was doing when I found the Samaritan Inn is I was comfortable in my yoga pants and being at home all day with my two dogs and taking walks and having coffee with friends whenever I wanted to. But um, I was hungry to serve and found uh, Samaritan Inn. And then when they offered me a job, I said no, but it was hard. It was hard to say no, but I was mentally not interested. But uh, 
within just a few days of them pursuing and asking and presenting, it was just like God tapped me on the shoulder and said, go. And so that's what I did. And I, it was scary and it was hard to give up some comforts. But then I was like, this is absolutely where I'm supposed to be. So were you more digging your heels in and saying no, no, and justifying it with like activities or life or your comfort of life? Like you didn't want change. Right. I mean, I could work from anywhere. I could travel. I could not work if I didn't want to. Mm -hmm. Still got paid the same. So Mm -hmm. are you still teaching online? So I gave up Purdue and I gave up life coaching and I still teach for Liberty University. Oh, okay. In their Department of Community Care and Counseling. And so in the mornings, I wake up at about six and I do that. It's all asynchronous. So yes. there's no time I have to show up. So I teach, I give feedback, I edit dissertations. Sometimes at night I meet with dissertation students. And that's my side hustle now. Um that I do to complement working for a nonprofit. Okay. That's what my brother teaches for Southern okay. uh, counseling. Yeah. He's got a PhD in counseling. Nice. So you guys in the little professional cap professor counseling world seem to have a small world sometimes. So yeah. Just, yeah. Um, so if you're getting up doing that and Samaritan in, I want to say the Samaritan in, I want to say it right. I want to make it plural. I want to be Samaritans in. That's, that's the way I've, One I've, in, I've, I, multiple Samaritans. I'm admitting I have said that. I've done apostrophe S. Like oh, Samar- yeah, you know what I'm yes, saying? E-O, yeah. And so I think I've always said it wrong. I'm realizing yeah. I we, didn't we, know a lot about. We don't know a lot about it. We're learning more. Mm-hmm. So if you're, you're teaching and you're doing this, you're lifestyle is much different than, than what you had originally thought, because that's a very busy life. Has it it been worth it? Has the change been worth it? You saying yes, has it been worth it? It has because I've, I've found a call like teaching and being there for my kids when they were growing up and being able to be the, the soccer team manager and travel to all these wonderful places with these D one young athletes that are getting all their scholars. You know, that's, that's luxury. That's mm-hmm. first world problems. And it's fun. And, and teaching is fun. But it's not, as a counselor, it's not that depth of engagement with people who need you. Um, and so Samaritan's Inn provides that. I mean, it takes me all the way back to the reason I got a degree in counseling mm. is to actually serve people who have great need. And I get to be right in front of, of res- we call them residents there. So what do you do? Explain to us. Let's move mm-hmm. into sure. what do you do there? What is your job? So my job is the career development coordinator. And so I teach soft skills, interviewing. I help with resume building. I help link them to jobs that are close to Samaritan Inn because a lot of times transportation is a major issue. Um, I collaborate with businesses who want to collaborate <laughs> with us to hire our residents. Um, so I'll go and visit human resource offices that are willing to talk to us. Not all are willing. Um, and try to build those partnerships where I can say, hey, I do have a resident that has the skill set you're looking for. And would you give them an opportunity? That's been so much fun. And I hope to do more and more of that. Um, but really teaching classes, um, when the residents come in, um, assessing where they've worked, 
How long has it been? What are their employment gaps? What are their strengths? What are their needs for education or training or certificate? Do they need to go to Workforce Solutions because they've been unemployed? Are they not getting unemployment when they should get employment? How can Workforce Solutions, how can vocational rehab help somebody that's disabled? How can my 70-year-old resident be supported by the programs that exist so that they're not having to try to work full-time, that they can work part-time? Um, and the list goes on and on. So my job really revolves around career, education, employment. Uh, recently, I've taken on also the role of finance development coordinator, which also involves teaching classes um, and helping people budget, helping them look at their credit report. Luckily, I have some volunteers that were already in place there that can help with that. That's not my specialty. I can do it. But I need help. And so we are fortunate to have some really good volunteers that are in the finance realm of business, and they come in on the weekends and do some of that for us. So what's the purpose? If you were going to – did you have something else? Well, just uh, will you clarify what the word residence means? Yes, that is – so at the Samaritan Inn, our customers live there. They are residents. They're a resident of the Samaritan Inn. We have anywhere from, you know, 150 to 250 um, of families, of single men and single women adults. We don't take like a homeless youth who is... Doesn't have a parent. Right. Right. So, so you're a homeless the, shelter, right? Sorry. One more clarifying okay. question. We're a transitional homeless shelter so that's why i was but we're this leading to the same question like what's the purpose of the samaritan Um, and mm -hmm. like what do you do right how do you serve the community exactly so um we serve our residents who come in through the intake process and it is first come first serve and so individuals who find themselves homeless could come to our program knowing that it is a transitional homeless shelter now we can have a different conversation on another day about all the different types of programs for homelessness there's tons and there's tons across dfw we are a transitional homeless shelter so that involves allowing people to live there they go through an intake process where they do uh, um, drug testing background check Um, they are made aware of our rules and regulations which is you have to be willing and able to work full-time within 30 days of coming in. Um, You can't have medical conditions or mental health conditions that don't allow you to live in community. Can't have anything on your background that is violent, um, that would disqualify you from living among children, because we do have children. Everybody eats in the same dining hall and all that. Um, so, So residents can apply. They come in. If they meet all the criteria and we have a bed for them, then they can come into our community. So once you're in the community, once you're in the community, um, that's where the services start. And we have four pillars. Four pillars are case management. So residents will meet with their caseworker every week. They know that that's a requirement. We work around the work schedule and stuff, but it's like you've got to show up for those Mm -hmm. meetings. Um, We have mental health. Um, LPCs that work there that do mental health counseling. That's a requirement. You have to do that, whether it's every week or every other week, whatever the program decides for you. Real fast, do those people volunteer their services? No. Okay, y'all pay them. That is our clinical staff. Our clinical staff is caseworkers, 
counselors and me <laughs> and and the program support staff mm-hmm. so they they have to do casework they have to do mental health counseling they have to do career development they have to do financial development and then they have chores and responsibilities so they have to follow the rules and be part of the community uh, part of our clinical team also is our program specialists. We have two offices where there's always somebody there. They're answering the phone, uh, taking those calls from the community about what we do or have somebody that needs this, what shelter or what program would be best. But So transitional homeless shelter means that we cater to a group of individuals that are very close to being able to be financially independent. They're in transition it makes it a little easier to serve, in my opinion, because they come with with maybe some money, maybe a vehicle, maybe a job already. Um, all of them come with a glimmer of hope, with um, determination, with a willingness to be helped and to do the program. That is up front, and we give people the opportunity to also walk out. You know, it's like, this is a program. If this isn't for you, you know, that's okay. And how long can they stay? They can stay probably if you ask or look at our, our uh, information, it's about a year. Okay. That doesn't mean that everybody stays a year. Some stay a little over. Some don't stay as much. It just depends on what they and their caseworker determine is their plan. So then the kiddos that are there are in school. So then they, they have to go to school, and do yes. they have to go through the counseling as well, some of the mental health programming if it's determined that they Absolutely. need it? Absolutely, and, and we have some some resources and network with um, some agencies that will provide, like, child counseling. That's so great. So yeah. do they go to school near, like, does the bus pull up at Samaritan then and all the kids get in and out? We have such a wonderful child and family program that um, they work with – McKinney, mm-hmm. ISD, and some other school systems too, to ensure that our kiddos get to school and get back in the most dignified way. And so what they do is we are the first pickup. So oh, our kids that. get on the bus. We have a, a uh, child even, support. Wait, real fast. I didn't even think about the yeah. dignity part of it. I just thought the logistics. Yeah, can you but imagine that, a, a whole bus load of kids watching you get out yeah. at a shelter? No. Yeah. That would be cruel. Yes, you know? totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because oh. kids can be mean. Uh-huh. Okay, so they're the first stop. Yeah, so we have a child care specialist that shows up at a paid child care specialist that shows up at 530 in the morning. We have parents going to work. He's there with the kiddos, and he makes sure everybody gets on the bus. And so we're the first stop to get on the bus. And then about like maybe 5 or 5.30 in the afternoon, we are the last stop to get off the bus. So it's a long day for our kids, but they also, nobody knows where they're getting on and Mm -hmm. off. And so a lot of times, are they living local to where they maybe still be at their school that they were at before they had to move to to Samaritan? And we try to do that if that's what the parent wants. Mm -hmm. Um, We do. You know, sometimes it's even like a, a, a private school or something that the kids were at oh, okay. or, or, yeah. or, you know, something smaller than McKinney ISD. So we try to work with that. But a lot of them do come in and they have to switch schools. It's just yeah. not logical and it's too hard. But, again, our, our child care specialists and our social workers that work with families just have it down to a fine art to make sure that those transitions 
work and like in the summer our kids get to go to different camps and boys and girls clubs so they're not just sitting at the shelter yes, all day that's every great. day yeah and then the way that when a resident kind of take us through the process like how do they learn about you how do they know that you're there for them like take us through kind of the beginning you know and then movement in to become a resident of of the Samaritan Inn like what does that look like Mm -hmm. so I mean like I said DFW is well networked with different types of shelters and so sometimes people may have a drug problem and they need that type of support it's not us so a lot of times it's elimination like they've tried everything and there's not been the fit there's not been the availability Um, and then they find out about us through networks or through another agency or sometimes they're moving from out of town and they're coming here because they know that there's a lot of support for the homeless and then they just happen to find us and realize that we may be a good fit for what they're looking for Uh, but you know a lot a lot of times it's word of mouth or through other programs or through community that knows about us that links somebody to us that they know that that's a good fit you know is it a family yes we take family you know um can we give you food and shelter while you work or try to get back up on your feet or try to pay some of your debt off so is that how a lot of um is that the primary primarily the types of cases you see are the ones who got kind of snowed under by debt somehow yeah um like medical like what is what's primarily what you see with that with how they end up needing um, your services it comes in all different shapes and sizes but um for example somebody might get COVID and they were in the hospital for a month well then they lost their job even you know Mm -hmm. they didn't have that and their medical bills are probably high and yeah they didn't have mm-hmm. good insurance their medical bills are high mm-hmm. now they've lost their job but they're still not really healthy and they're living in an apartment and now they can't pay their apartment and then they get evicted mm-hmm. and it's just a snowball effect and then they can't pay their bills um job loss moving um somebody might have been had the support of a family member and all of a sudden that family member's like yeah mm-hmm. you need to move keep on moving. Was there it's ever time that you do you talk to other shelters? Do y'all kind of have a pulse on the shelters are full? What's going on in the world or what's going on in our community or they're not or right? Is yes. there a pulse there? There is always that in the background. We are well networked with other shelters. That's not my job specifically, but our um, caseworkers, our shelter director, our program staff. We're always getting calls. We're always talking to other shelters. Um, other shelters will let us know when they have availability. Sometimes it's a women's and children's shelter. Mm-hmm. Hey, we have a couple of beds. You know, if you anybody comes your way that you can't serve, we have a bed. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes people come in and it's they don't need transitional shelter. They need an emergency shelter or they mm-hmm. need drug rehab or they need domestic violence help. Um so yes, okay. it's always going on. And in the, emer- the difference between you guys and some of those other programs is like an emergency shelter, you can only be in for like 30 days or it's a stopgap to get you to a more extensive program of some kind. Right. Right. And so you guys are not that. We're and not. And then the drug mm-hmm. rehab is more than the counseling you offer. The drug is, you're talking about detox, mm-hmm. you're talking about 
maybe some more medical interventions that you guys don't provide. Exactly. So you almost need to be past all those initial things to get to, or haven't don't need them at all to get to you guys. Exactly. Okay. And that's why it's so important for communities to have different types of shelters. We can't do it all. Mm -hmm. Neither can other programs. So we, we (laughs) all take our piece of the pie, so to speak. Mm. And we do that piece of the pie well and collaborate with other programs to make sure that individuals who need certain services get to the right place. I have a question about living accommodations. You yes. said men, women, families. What does your living accommodations look like? So I need a visual. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, think of a big dorm room for single men and single women. They are housed with three other men or women. Bunk beds? It's, yes. Okay. Bunk beds. A table, a closet, and a bathroom. So two bunk beds, mm-hmm. so four people in a room. Yes. Okay. And that's probably one of the hardest things for residents is to show up as a single adult mm. and share a room with people you may like, may not like. May They may snore. They may smell a little funny. They may run their mouth. Mm. And you have to li- be able to figure out how to live in community. Mm-hmm. And then what about the families or the, the mom and kids? Mm-hmm. Families are together. So it can be a mom and a dad and a host of kids, or it can be a mom and kids. It can be a dad and kids. They have a, we have family rooms. So we try to accommodate, um, you know, with the sleeping arrangements mm-hmm. and the way they, we design the beds and how many mattresses and who can mm-hmm. fit here. But are they in one room, similar yes. setup, one room? Oh yeah. But you give them... Um, enough beds for everybody right I was right. totally okay. imagining like one big room with like all the people like, like all... 20 bunk beds for yeah. single guys yeah yeah no, we have like a... you camp. make it nice yeah. <laughs> I was like, uh, nice. now some places are probably like that yeah uh, more the emergency shelters mm-hmm. overnight yes places um but ours if you looked at our resident building it looks like a hotel and you can see down the middle. So the halls are open-ended on both open air. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's three stories. And half are women, half are men. And I can't remember. Maybe we have ten family rooms. Okay. Um, Interesting. And so, you know, when a bed's open, if you come into intake and you qualify for that bed, you're popped into that room. There's no – we don't try to re – organize everybody right to be oh well these would get along and so it's that's the hardest thing yeah so how do you handle conflict then because it has to happen right and we have a no tolerance you cannot touch anybody um you know if you're running your mouth and there's a lot of evidence of that then our program specialists who are there 24 7 they're really kind of the the worker bees um you know they address that they'll talk to the resident Um, occasionally somebody can always request a room change. And if we can accommodate that and it's reasonable, we can do that. But it's, we have residents uh, meetings every week where um, our program specialists get with the residents to just kind of go over the rules and be like, you know, know, right now there's a lot of cigarettes in the parking lot and we can't have that. If that keeps happening, then Mm. everybody's not going to be able to smoke, you know? So we, we address that as a community and then if we need to address that individually, the, the caseworker and program staff will work with that resident to 
resolve behavior contracts. If somebody's really doing something that is causing problems, they'll go on behavior contract, which just means they're signing and their caseworker signing. This is what you're going to do. And this is not what you're going to do. What about if there's kids that are behavioral issues and the parents are struggling with how to handle that? Mm -hmm. Then our, our case managers that deal with families will work with them. Okay. Um, you know, we have parenting classes, um, that the parents have to go to, um, we can get them additional support from community resources. And so that is, I mean, that's ongoing yes. because sometimes they don't have the best parenting strategies mm-hmm. right? and, and they're stressed too, which yes, adds to everything and absolutely. adds to their emotional strategies tolerance and endurance the window for sure. Even the ones that do have them. <laughs> and then you have adults who aren't there with their children looking at a parent going, yeah, oh, gosh, you know, She's all parents. Like, yes. you know, oh, mind yeah. your own business. Right. I know. <laughs> the judging. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm just impressed with the robustness of your program, with how mm-hmm. much you are offering. It sounds like, I mean, people, go, if they can stay for a year, you guys can get them really set up with on a much better place. Absolutely. Like, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize you offered quite the extent Right. What you do. Right. And again, that is what goes on in that deep, deep face-to-face intensive serving that the clinical staff gets to do. If you came into Samaritan Inn and volunteered, you know, you may be sorting donations or serving food or, you know, doing some landscaping or whatever. And so we have a whole host of things that have to happen, but that intense service is that it's intense and we're there every day and we're dealing with problems and we're celebrating victories. And, you know, part of that, like you said, if they come and work the program, you can imagine a case manager saying, Hey, you need to do this resource. We need to get you in contact with this and da, 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 da. So that they're supported just like with a parent with kids, how are they supposed to work if they've Mm, got toddlers? Exactly. And so we get them plugged in with the right childcare and, um, you know, all the resources around that. So but- we talked, we talked about how, or before, um, how the Samaritan, before we started the podcast, how the Samaritan Inn is not a Christian ministry. And a lot of us assume it is like, right. I'd always assumed it was, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, because of the name, I think we had said, um, but you yourself are a believer. Right. And so for you, you feel like this is a personal ministry. Absolutely. So explain how that works for you. Like how, how is this kind of your heart and your love and how someone who is a believer can absolutely serve, be a part of, be hands and feet of Jesus in a place that is not what we would consider, um, your like non-denominational type ministry context, but it's just doing work, good work. Right. And, and like I said, I'm not preaching, I'm doing. That's I'm right. I love that. I'm not preaching, I'm doing. <laughs> and I feel like that's been a big part of my career journey that was not planned, just like working at a community college. Being a Christian can happen and be influential anywhere. Right. I think sometimes even as moms or as female professionals, sometimes you feel like, well, I need, you know, if I'm truly going to fulfill god's will for me i should be working in a church or doing a ministry Mm -hmm. but you know you can do ministry on the sidelines of a soccer field and you can be do ministry in the grocery store with how you treat people and and you can definitely do ministry in a role like at a homeless shelter or at a community college um it's the doing and the representing and 
being the hands and feet. So when I went to volunteer, I probably in the back of my mind, it, I didn't think about it too, too deeply, but it's the Samaritan Inn. It sounds like the Good Samaritan, mm-hmm. obviously. It's right. A, a, it's a ministry. <laughs> I'm going to go and volunteer. But, you know, when I, it, and it feels, if you came in, you would probably think, oh, this is a ministry. Look at everybody serving, because it is. It's so service-oriented in so many different ways. Like I said, we have volunteers working the front office. We have volunteers serving food. We have volunteers over at the thrift store sorting donations and it goes on and on and on so it feels that way but you know when I went to volunteer it was just to really be helpful in my community thinking probably that it was a ministry but I think that's my mindset though I can minister I don't need it to to be a church it doesn't have to have a steeple Mm -hmm. for me to minister and we've got to get out of that yeah I mean the people that need the love of Jesus is on the streets they're on the streets they're not in our ap classrooms and our coffee shops here in frisco Mm -hmm. they're outside of there and it's here so i have a kid in my house that really struggles with homeless people like we will go to austin and he is like why can't they get it together why are they like he cannot wrap his head Mm -hmm. around why are you doing this why would you not do something for yourself to you know and i'm sure you have a different mindset on that. Clearly he's not, he, that's going to be his, he's gonna have to work through that. And we have conversations about it, but how do you not let that creep in as you're working with people over time? Because you, they become a person mm. and not a figurehead for homelessness. We do. We drive our kids around, they see homeless and we're just like, look the other way or let's drive this or let's not go to this part of town. Oh, my God, that's so true. Yeah. I mean, we are asking so them to true. look and then look away. Or, oh, don't, be, you know, you can't just go up to somebody and talk to them. It's dangerous. To, and there, there's some truth to that. But one thing that's become just, again, part of my calling to be there is when you talk to somebody and understand their story, mm-hmm. it completely changes how you view the the framework of homelessness. So you're saying if, if you're driving along and you've got kids, we do this in our car and it's fun actually, but they struggle with something and to put a story with that person, it's not just a head. Hey, I bet that person has a story. We don't know the story. Maybe they have got kids. Maybe they've got a mom that's looking for them. Maybe they've got a mom and dad that's has no idea where they're at or they might know where they're at, but that's where they're mm-hmm. having them to live because they, the choices they made, or they might have mental health issues that yeah. they haven't been diagnosed with or that nobody has the patience. But you're saying when you see that, don't do the look and look away. Let's have a conversation with about, about that person that's sitting there holding the sign. Right. 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 And even, and, and I'm not a big advocate for, oh, let's take our kids and go hand out some cookies to homeless people. Right. Uh, I think there's, the the best way you can educate your kids about the homeless is for the parents to be involved and have the stories. Mm. I mean, I have young adults and they're good, good people. But, you know, since I've started working at the shelter and, you know, I'm talking to them, I'm like, oh, I want to tell you the story about so-and-so. They've learned so much more about the people I serve from the stories I tell. Mm. I don't have to say a name. I don't have to give anything. It's just like, oh, yeah, I was talking to this resident and they da-da-da-da. And my kids are just like, wow. Yeah. 
that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I can't believe that happened. That's unfortunate. So I was actually wondering kind of the other end of the question is there, cause you're living, we're living in a very affluent area in a lot of ways yes. where it's easy to kind of gloss over the issues that people have that where they, um, end up having to use a place like the Samaritans Inn that, you know, is so beneficial. Um, but when you work there and then you're having to almost in your mind mm. go to a different spot of like you're saying the select foot, you know, the select sport teams and the affluence and right. Is there an element of frustration when you're moving and helping people like that and then having to meander back in the world of wealth? And, and I feel like sometimes we are a little entitled with how we interact and respond. A little. A little. Just a little. Nice. So I was just wondering if for you, if that's a, that's kind of a mind flip, yeah. right? In a way. Mm-hmm. It is. It is. I mean. But I, I think it's just because people are ignorant. And I don't mean that in like a condescending way. But if you knew. Like naive, like they really don't know. If you saying. knew. And I didn't even know before I started working at So do you Samaritan have to stop Man. yourself for, from saying like, let me educate you? Yes. <laughs> yeah. With like a rod and a seven. Let me educate you. Yeah. Bom, like bom, you're bom. saying this, let me just explain why uh-huh. what you're saying is not true. Yeah. yeah. That's a good point. Well, for example, my son works for KPMG downtown and I was helping him move his apartment. And this was before we were settled back into Texas. And, you know, I've always obviously been in the field of counseling and working at a community college in rural Appalachia. So I've always worked with needy Mm -hmm. and have had a heart for that. So that's not been too hard for me. But, you know, just we were at CVS grabbing some things and there was a lady sitting there and she, you know, do you have some money? And it would have been easy just not to give anything. But I stopped and talked to her a minute and I think I had a $10 bill and gave it to her and, you know, just checked on her and then went on my way. Uh, You know, and I had my 20 two-year-old son there and you know it wasn't and then afterwards I just we minded on our own business and got what we needed and went went on our way but he was like mom that was really nice Mm. but you know I didn't say hey did you see what I did oh we're helping her aren't we just so great for giving her ten dollars or you don't know what she's going to use it for what if she uses it for something yeah that's that's what that's what my kids would say you're going to give it to her and they're going to go out and buy Alcohol, mm-hmm. they're gonna go about drugs. Right. And Bailey was like that. He's like, I struggle so much because I just don't know sometimes. I feel like I'm being taken advantage of. I'm like, you know, just listen to your heart. And I feel that way sometimes. Sometimes you just know. You just get a sense that this isn't a, a place for me to give. But sometimes you're gonna be moved. And if the Lord moves you, do it. Mm-hmm. So I have a question. You say you ask them questions or you talk to them. Yeah. Some people are like, I would never talk to a homeless person i know because that's tools. too personal right. because then have? then if they say something yeah. and you're moved to do it mm-hmm. then you're called to do it so what do you ask them how do you engage them in conversation because mm-hmm. um, there are people that are like i would love to have but i don't even know what do you ask right right because you forget how to just how to um what's the word um have a conversation with just anybody because mm-hmm. if they don't look like us, sometimes we don't know how to talk to people. Well, one of the first things I've been doing is just asking somebody if they're homeless because we make, an assumption, we make an assumption that if somebody's sitting on the sidewalk and looks poor, that they're homeless. But would somebody, my first thing is uh, what I just said, like, I feel like I would offend them. 
Because what if they're like, no, and you're like, I'm sorry, I just, you looked homeless, so I thought I was asked. So there's been times when people have been asking for money, like outside of Walmart, Mm -hmm. or even on the, at 75, where the interstate is. Mm -hmm. And I'll roll down my window and be like, are you, because I'm going to give them a Samaritan's in card. They're just right down the road. Like, are you homeless? No. And I'm like, okay. Then you roll your window back up and, and I keep just, going. Or do you continue talking? Well, they feel caught. I mean, I, I'll just be like, are you homeless? Yeah. And when they're like, no. But they're making money to keep from being homeless. Yeah. And that's what they when, would say, right? Yeah, they're panhandling. That's yeah. what they're doing. You know, I, uh, most of the times I don't choose to support that. But um, again, that happened w- with my daughter. It was this beautiful old lady. She had gray hair and these big blue eyes. And so I'm getting all my tools together and I stop and I'm like, um, are you homeless that you're here? Would you like to know more about the Samaritan Inn? And she looked at me and she went, nope. In a mean way? Like, don't? Yeah, kind of like, no, I'm not interested in, in knowing about the Samaritan Inn. So, you know, it's just, it's fine to ask, you know, okay. are you homeless? Okay, that's good. Or, or is there something I can do for you? You know, are you Okay. Just asking that. Okay? Or, or hey, my name's Jackie. What's your name? And just starting a conversation like you would with a regular stranger. Yeah. Now, I wouldn't encourage young kid for you to put your young kids out mm. there and do that because sometimes people are mentally ill. And you'll know that if you just have a basic conversation with them. Mm-hmm. And then it may be, be too big for you. Yeah. Or you may be like, I understand this now. This person is, is struggling. Mm. Um, and they're beyond the help I can give. So. so you did a good job there of just reminding us that they are people too. They are like so just, human. And yeah. some of them have amazing stories, even yeah. being out on the street. Mm-hmm. Can, yeah, is there a good. story you're comfortable sharing? Can you share a story with us? Um, I have had one gentleman come in. He was very thin and talked about his story of, of living on the streets and he was normalizing eating one meal a day. Mm. I mean, he was happy to get that one meal a day, but then he started talking about how he hasn't been able to hold down a job because he gets lightheaded and his legs are weak. And I'm like, well, we'll call him Charlie. Um, Charlie, it's probably because you're malnourished. You're not getting enough food to support. I mean, he's like six, two. It's like, you're not eating enough. He's like, well, I mean, I felt good. I would eat that meal. I would like to eat it at night. But just like normalizing mm-hmm. starvation pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, he couldn't hold it down a job. So then you come into the inn, and he's getting three meals, and all of a sudden you see he's gaining a little weight. His color's better. He's getting off his mental health meds. He's getting off his physical meds because now he's nourished. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he gets a job at, at Encore Wire. And holds that down and recently graduated. Um, had a gentleman last night do work keys assessments with me, which are not easy, and did extremely work, wait, work, work keys. A work keys. Mm-hmm. It's through ACT. It's uh, for the career development, uh, career readiness certificate through ACT. But he did so well, so bright. He's my age. I noticed that we had the same year birthday. And then he was the last one finished. I'm like, wow, you did so good. And just imagine, you know, three months ago, you were living in a tent. He's like, I know. And I thought that was it for me. I thought that's, I was just there forever. I didn't think 
I would ever have a job again. I just thought. How did he get out of the tent? What made him come to the Samaritan Inn? Well, so he's divorced. He has a child. And luckily his wife and her new husband are kind to him. And the, the husband found out about Samaritan Inn and said, let me take you there. Wow. And so brought him to McKinney and he got in. And now he was all dressed up last night because they had an interview. And he looked just like a completely different person. And that's in a month. That's awesome. But lived in a tent for a year and a half, held down a job at like a, not in McKinney or Frisco, but away from here, at like a Dollar Tree as an assistant manager. This is a, a, he has some IT skills. He has some training. But he just unfortunate events some medical hmm. bills things piled up and he lived in a tent on a guy's farm for i hate how much half. medical bills it's are such a yes. horror show here yeah i mean call it's me tough. political i don't care but here in this country it's awful mm-hmm. i know so many people who are incredibly burdened yeah by medical bills right um it's really sad mm-hmm. but so um this has been so interesting. I just love oh, hearing about everything, um, everything they questions. do. Oh, okay. Christy loves these lightning ground questions. Don't lightning forget them. Yeah, you I was forgetting. No, no, I, I do forget. You're right. She has to remind me. I always forget. Um, so if somebody does, I, as we're kind of closing out this piece before we go to the kind of fun personal lightning round questions we have for you. Um, if somebody does want to volunteer, like in a capacity with you guys, like so what, how would they go about doing that? What would they do? Right. They can, well, they have me now. You have me. <laughs> yeah. And you can email <laughs> us and we can give you the information. Right, right. Right. And I can plug you into the right area. I'm not, yeah. I'm not the go-to person for figuring out how to volunteer, but we have a whole volunteer department, but I would encourage you to give with your pocketbook your purse if you can yeah because that is how you guys survive it's just all donations right 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 and like our thrift store go to our thrift store our thrift store provides over like six hundred thousand dollars a year in revenue for us back to our shelter Mm -hmm. it's on university right there near mcdonald near hutchins barbecue how about that the thrift store is 75 it's it's on what part of 75 you go past 75 on 380 like okay. you're going to leave McKinney oh, so you're okay. going to the poorer side of yeah. McKinney yeah and you'll see a big purple building okay. it's very aged but when you go in there it's like heaven it's like it's, you're gonna heaven. find your treasures and thrifting is a big deal now <laughs> yeah. we were Christy well, and I were just talking about before now that and I it's mean, all good price because yes, we get it in and then we the get it out store. and then the next day we have people bringing their whole bedroom furniture oh, i mean it is all so the great. time so you can find some really good deals we're awesome. gonna go look for our new podcast table there we are yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yes that'd be great oh you're gonna go with me see i'll go oh, yeah. we'll go with oh, me i'll have more you fun and your kids would go okay i'll go with you <laughs> we can go let's go that'll be fun we'll go on a, okay. we'll go on a field trip okay, okay. There we go. and then you can come over and volunteer but um yes. okay yeah but yeah if you want to get involved you know whether it maybe you have a small business and you think well you know we could give monthly or we could give yearly or say you just do want to come volunteer and you want to sort donations or whatever or maybe you have a specific gift maybe you're a dentist or your husband's a dentist and you think you know we could help one person this month like completely restore Mm. their teeth that's a big thing a lot of our residents have Mm. dental problems Mm. or 
I have a kid right now that's 18 and homeless, and he has broken glasses, and they're crooked on his face, and he's wanting to go to college. But, you know, we don't have the money to just go out and get people a prescription and glasses. That's tough. Mm. So it's even those things. Do so you, volunteer, like if I wanted to, I could go, hey, I'm going to go and get this kid some glasses. Exactly. So then I could walk in and say, so would I pick him up and take him to the eye doctor or would I just give you guys money? It would to be better to him? say, I'm going to sponsor whatever this those kid. glasses. And okay. then the caseworker. Okay. Um, just, be, yeah, just for some confidentiality stuff. Yes, to, for sure. Yeah. So but, then if we know, you, so you can put us, you can connect people with those kinds of things. Right, okay. right. And like I said, it's it's from a small, and it's not even small, like coming in and sorting donations or working at the front desk or serving a meal to things very tangible like dental help or eyeglasses to even bigger things um, like funding Part of my program, like success in motion. Oh, I want to donate $10,000 to what Jackie's doing. Or, oh, you've got kids that need to go to summer camp. Let me donate a couple of thousand dollars to help fund that. Or, you know, so it can be, or, hey, why don't we build a new building? And you can name it after me because I'm going to give you the money for it. Mm -hmm. So it could be something as big as that because we, we are looking for those big partnerships to anything like, hey, Jackie, I have a work outfit that, you know, I'm skinny now and it's a size 16 and I'm size 10, but it would look great on a female resident and you bring it to me. Something as simple as that. So it's from itty bitty and it doesn't matter. I mean, just give, be involved. If you have time, you know, work with a volunteer office to see how you can serve. That's awesome. That's mm-hmm. helpful. Or a That's car. Great. Say you have a car that you're like, huh, I'm not going to get anything out of it. Maybe I can figure out a way to donate it mm-hmm. so that somebody can get to work. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. It is good. Good tangible ways of helping. Yes. Thank you so much. This has been such an informative and She even said earlier, well, she didn't say on this, but if you want to donate, she lives halfway between here and Samaritan Inn. You could just put it on her front porch in McKinney. Oh. (laughs) I live off Custer, so I'm on the crack between McKinney and Frisco. She's like, if they don't want to drive all the way over there, they can drop them at my house. Maybe give you a heads up if they're going to donate like a couch or refrigerator <laughs> right, or something. Right, right. <laughs> Shows up. Well, and it, along that note is that our um, thrift store, we have a box truck that will come and get your donations. Oh, if you people have a, gotta uh, love that. Yes. Yeah. If you have a I couch mean, that you want to get rid of, you can yes. work with our guys and they'll just come they'll pick come it up for you. See, that, I, think, I, I do that think people, people that's big. well, it's good to have another option because I think here in town, a lot of people just give to like certain ones mm-hmm. and some people are like I want to get outside of this area and donate other places and sometimes they get full like they can't take if there's only certain ones in a certain spot around you sometimes you do mm-hmm. need to look like especially if there's a truck that's big that's really hard for people to if to um get rid load, of their yeah. big stuff to yeah, load the truck stuff right yeah. so that's awesome well and we have gateway and that's something we haven't even talked about but we have apartments that our residents at the shelter can graduate into oh. and we furnish those for them so that when they move into a, a apartment that they're going to pay five hundred dollars a month for and still have a caseworker that when they walk in it's fully furnished that is greatness so at a year you don't just cut them loose they can transition if they need to into another place to yes. live so you guys are still there helping them exactly if they need more mm-hmm. oh, i'm so impressed and that's mm-hmm. another that's way awesome. to donate is we have which i think was fun if i had a little bit more money in my pocket i'd probably do that but like you can be a donor for an apartment and go in and know what the oh. residents 
tesar and decorate it <gasps> and find the furniture. I for feel that. a women's ministry thing coming so on. That would be cool. that would be so, so awesome. good. Yeah. Yeah. Women's ministry yeah. could sponsor awesome. an apartment. All our ladies totally. go and do. You know how I mean, they would love that. Love yeah. that. They would so enjoy it. Yeah. yeah. That's I so can fun. hook you up with the right person for oh, that. Oh, <laughs> for sure. We're about to have a, well, we don't know where, but an interior designer. Mm-hmm. Bailey. Nice. Kate. I want to say Kathy Bailey, but it's Kay Bailey. Uh-huh. Yeah. And she's about to come. Yeah. Right. That was about that her was story. The, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, we're going right. to talk to her about that. Yeah. That's right. I, yeah. Christy's that's the one that fun. schedules all that. And then I try to keep up. Yeah. But she's, right. She works pretty fast. So that's good. That's good. <laughs> you work fast in other areas. That's how it is. <laughs> okay. We're going to end with some lightning round questions. So this is more personal. They're okay. easy. Okay. Eyebrows can come down. You're fine. It'll be okay. <laughs> That's always like, scares people know. at first. <laughs> what is the last show that you binge watched and loved? Um, Yellowstone. Oh, nice. See? And what? Ted Lasso. Oh, oh. so good. <laughs> we have, I know a lot of people that love that show. Oh, so good. What is something that people often get wrong about you? Oh. Hmm. That I'm serious. Oh, yeah. I'm not. You're not. <laughs> That's good. I'm funny. I can I, tell my kids that. <laughs> Dang it, I'm funny, guys. I'm really Our kids funny. kids don't always see us that way. No. <laughs> not at all. They're like, whatever, Mom. That's <laughs> ridiculous. What is your biggest pet peeve? Oh, biggest pet peeve. I think it's probably just... not getting with it, not getting jiggy with it. When there's things that, you know, whether it's, I get aggravated at myself and my husband and my kids, but it's just like when there's things you can do, move, Mm. take a step, take a step, Mm -hmm. take a step. Yeah. That could be a, well, we won't dwell. Okay. The noisy narrative. (laughs) Whole other podcast. Uh, Whole (laughs) other. The noisy narrative is about getting, it's cutting through the noise and getting to the heart of the matter. What is your noise? What is your narrative right now? Kind of like what season are you in? The what narrative? Mm-hmm. So, oh, you got that. Did that's greatness. That? She understood she that question. She was like, "Boom, that throws baby." Some people yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm in an empty nester season, but truly, being at the Samaritan Inn, it's just like put your money where your mouth is. Mm. So get out and serve, um, and get out of your comfort zone, and you're you're going to be blessed. It's not that you're going to do anything for anybody else, but all of a sudden you humbly are blessed by stories and visions and taking a risk and messing up your perfect little schedules to to be involved. Mm. So you've got a just go narrative. Just yes. move. Jump just do it. In. Nike. Oh, jump in. Jump in. Let's jump, yeah. in. Feet jump first. in narrative. There feet you go. First. Yeah. Feet yeah. Feet safety first. So yeah. feet first. <laughs> okay. Good job, Jack. But still I think jumping. I feel like jumping. I went head first, but now I'm I'm treading. You're treading. Okay, that's good. Um, you are in heaven and you are looking down at your funeral. What do you hope people say about you? They cannot say that you were good and faithful servant or that you love Jesus, because we already know that. Uh-huh. I think it's just that, you know, she made a 1% difference in my life. I mean, she cared. She showed up. Mm. She was nice the day I didn't feel good. She asked me how I was when it was obvious, you know, and I, and I try to be that with not only where I work now, but just with people around me just to notice. Mm. Like if I ask you how you are, I actually want to know. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's just that deeper level of, of care for people that maybe I was 1% part of their happy story. I love it. Yeah. 
Oh, you sweet. were part of our one percent happy story for today. So oh, yes. thank you, thank this you. Is very Mission accomplished. I know. Yes. You can go we home now. So much. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. Yes, we it's do been appreciate fun. it. Yeah, mm-hmm. we love talking to you. So, okay, so everybody, you now have another place to go serve. Yeah, You've, we've got a connection for show you. Up, if yes. yep, if you want to show up and be there and um, do some adjusting, or even if it's you want to write a check either right. way. There's so many that. ways to help. Yeah. Buy a um, kid a laptop or mm-hmm. glasses or mm-hmm. whatever. Right. That's so good. That's it from noisy narratives today. Um, thank y'all for listening till next week and we'll talk to you later. Bye. Life can be amazing.